there's an old saying, and a, a leader, um, a, a politician will tell you what you want to hear, but a true leader will tell you what you need to know. Many of the students are not aware of what they're not aware of. It's hard to call them woke or not when they've had no chance to weigh just whether they're woke or, or not woke. All they are is what they are because that's what they've been taught. That's what they've been exposed to. They're not bad people. They're, right. The question is how informed are they? How aware are they of other lifestyle circumstances in the world? But a conservative and someone who's religious should be allowed to raise them how they want to raise. They want to raise a conservative. They want to raise uh, someone who's religious, for example. Now, the flip side for someone that is liberal and who is very, very much into the LGBTQ community, would you say or would you agree that they should have the right to raise their kid LGBTQ as parents? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Purple Political Podcast, a new rebrand that I have here. It used to be the trend, but we're changing it up a little bit because I want to focus on specific political topics and questions. But we're still going to have guests on. We're still going to have discussions. We're going to still have potential debates, find potential solutions. And one thing to always keep in mind that regardless if you disagree with not, always keep compassion in mind because, A, just because they disagree does not mean you have to hate the other individual. So with that said, today is my guest here. I have uh, Gene. Uh, he has a very extensive background, so I'm going to let him introduce himself. Thank you, Rodell. It's a pleasure meeting you and to all your uh, followers. Um, uh, my name is Gene Valentino in Pensacola, Florida. I have... Um, been down here in uh, the Pensacola Panhandle for some 30 years. Moved down from Connecticut back in 19, well, what is that? 1992, uh, where we became legal residents down here. But uh, it's um, it was a transformation, if you will. A, uh, I should say a morphing from a northern Yankee uh, uh, environment to... Uh, the good old boy Southern hospitality environment. And uh, it was quite an, quite an experience trans transitioning from one area to the other, but it was what I learned real quickly. It was just one of the many flavors in these United States of America that make this such an interesting place. And um, uh, ironically uh, I've made this area is just as wonderful as Connecticut. And we've made so many new friends here. Uh, it's been a great place. My background is uh, I've been an adjunct professor at the local college uh, on business entrepreneurship courses. My expertise in business uh, entrepreneurial uh, 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 training for the young guys and gals uh, who are looking to get off on their own after the college years and to go off into their own business. I try to help teach them a roadmap on how they can accomplish their dreams. For me personally, um, the, it started off uh, at a very young age, helping mom and dad out with my own paper route. Hey, remember that paper route? Now we just click on something here on the screen and up comes the news headline for the day or the week, right? <laughs> at the time it was the getting up at uh, uh, early in the morning on Sunday to deliver the Sunday paper to about 60 homes and then in the weekdays, uh, delivering it after three in the afternoon after school uh, to the same homesteads. And I would take my 25 to $35 a week in paper route money and, and contribute to, uh, to the family. I was the oldest of four children. And uh, uh, whatever blessings bestowed on me these days uh, financially uh, were a gift from God. Uh, I'll never forget the days uh, where we were, we were a poor family. We didn't have much and we worked hard to, to make ends meet. So I, I take a little bit of resentment to anybody thinking, uh, you know, someone spoon fed me or I'm of a certain class that doesn't deserve the, the riches I've, I've worked hard for. No one gave me nothing. <laughs> Understood. So, yeah. And I, I think that of anybody, you know, I mean, if you've worked hard your life and have um, worked, 
and and followed the disciplines and your teachings and you were the beneficiary of some good fortune um the financial for fortune is a small portion of the fortune if you go to my website one of my opening comments is uh the financial success followed the true success of knowing yourself knowing your god and knowing your community and i've really worked hard at being a contributor in the community and i really think uh rodell that's how my success came i was uh, it wasn't about me it was about we and right. we worked together at, at promoting the greater good of the many not not the select few so ironically uh jumping ahead uh, i came down here to pensacola and uh, i was a fish out of water is just a different kind of community but within 10 years i ended up being their nominee and became an a, an elected official here in town as county commissioner so i was one of five elected officials in a county of 350,000 people and um, uh, in that political environment you make friends and you make enemies and yeah I, um, uh, the politics, which is a sore subject for most of us today, uh, I must say I walked away after eight years of serving office, and I think about certain things that might aggravate me or disturb me or I consider contentious issues, but I better not forget 98% of the great people out there who I've met, who I've uh, become um, uh, friends with, partners with, and right. uh, associates. A lot of those kinds of things, Rodell. Just it, it wouldn't have happened if I didn't run for office, and uh, it's a blessing. So uh, I can give you a lot more of the show uh, in the show of what whatever it is you want to know about my background. But if you really want to get the general background, you're welcome to go to my website www.mynamegenevalentino.com, and uh, You'll hear uh, our weekly podcast episodes we do with a local radio station every um, Friday morning at 7.15 a.m. Central Standard Time. And then we capture that 15-minute vignette and post it to genevalentino.com where you can uh, uh, listen to all. Each week's got a different story. It is geared more towards the social and the political events du jour, right, you know, the, of the week. Right. And, uh, uh, some of them are based on the politics. Some are based on the economy. Uh, some are based on principles and practices and policies. And um, I'd be happy to address anything like that you'd like to talk about. If you want to talk about the fun thing, I'm here in my new man cave. <laughs> and uh, right out the door, right over there, is the hangar, the airplane hangar. And 20 feet off my eyesight straight down there is the Icon A5, a, a, a 38, 36, 38-foot wingspan seaplane. So okay. you can just roll it, out of the, roll it out of the hangar over here and take it down into the Perdido Bay, the waters of Pensacola. And uh, I, it's, a, it's, it's not an ultralight. It's a true November-rated aircraft for those pilots out there listening. But... Um, it's fun and frolic. It's uh, a low flight, slow flight. And about eight miles that way to the east is the home of the Blue Angels, our uh, acrobatic team and our uh, very novel and prestigious uh, flight of pilots who uh, are top gun pilots who serve uh, for a few uh, uh, stints and then move on in their aviation career. But the, um, the Blue Angels are almost a, a walking distance away. So it's a little bit here. If you ever come to Pensacola, uh, the uh, it's the home of the Blue Angels, and a tour on the base is really exciting. All right. Um, yeah, definitely sounds like uh, exciting for sure. Uh, I personally don't know a lot about planes, but I, like I said, I, I told you earlier, I have a, I have a close friend that it has the uh, interest of being a pilot, so he talks oh. about it quite extensively. But, um, yeah, for the most part, in terms of, like, your uh, – your background in politics one thing that i saw in terms of like your basically biography or kind of like description of yourself and in, in your account is something you talk about the true leader and uh what what that entails so i'm very curious what you mean by like the true leader considering your background 
there's an old saying, and uh, a leader, um, a, a politician will tell you what you want to hear, but a true leader will tell you what you need to know. Uh, after he listens, you better listen. And after he listens, he gets a good understanding of where you are, who you are, where you're coming from, and the, and the merits of your concern. He can fashion that and make it part of his agenda to do something good, not only for that person, but for the community. And that's a constant challenge of a leader. The leader has to weigh the personal requests of an individual against the greater good. It drives to a real philosophical question if you if you're talking politics, what's the greater good? Is it a is it for a select few? Is it for uh, a certain class of people? Is it for the society at large? Uh, a politician will constantly be challenged trying to do what's in the best interest to the whole, assuming they're not compromised or owned. Right. So with that said, do you believe that there's any current um, politician that you would equate to being a true leader? Uh, yeah, a true leader to me is someone who's willing to stand up and take um, the criticism and, um, and, and to face it head on. Uh, uh, it started with Abraham Lincoln when he was... Uh, going creating his Getty Gettysburg address and talking about the the the, uh, the sovereignty the freedom of of uh, for the slaves uh, back then and making them uh, he he was aware that it was going to be necessary that for the nation to survive you needed to make sure that all citizens all race all creed all color was brought into a collective whole. It was the foundation, founding principle of our of our nation uh, and our constitution. We the people, not you people or me people, we people. Right. And that's that was always the 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 issue, uh, the us versus them conversation. Right. Uh, we've morphed as a society. We've had our ebbs and our flows. We've had the good good decades, the bad decades. To answer your question directly, I've seen good leadership come and I've seen good leadership go because in a democracy, or in this case, a Democrat, uh, a, a democratic republic, there are um, ebbs and flows that are based on the um, uh, channels or divisions of government, the administrative side versus the legislative side. Right. I was a county commissioner uh, when I was. As a county commissioner, I served for two four-year terms, eight years, and um, there were. I can remember specifically during that period of time, we five commissioners had a lot of power. We we absorbed a lot of power because of a weaker administrative staff that didn't exercise their administrative capabilities. All right. So it was almost a a natural uh, process of getting the, of stepping in because they weren't doing it type of attitude. I, I give it to me. I'll do it. If you're not going to do it. It was one of those things, but then there was other times where the better leadership came in. We got rid of the bad leadership and we brought in good leadership and the good leadership um, uh, made our, uh, our policymaking procedures much easier as elected officials. So leadership to me is defined by a person who uh, does no harm, does good by, by even when it, during the unpleasant times of having to take on a position that, um, uh, that, that stands alone. I remember taking on a position of um, wanting a bingo par uh, authorizing the Seminole Indians came in to see me and they legally had the authority to have a, a, a bingo parlor in this end of town. The zoning didn't restrict it. It was legally allowed to happen, but the citizens didn't want it. And many citizens got mad at me. And I said, look, I'm not, I hate bingo. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's yuck. I don't even want it. Okay. But I'm a, I, I was elected to lead. 
you. And the law says it's legally allowed. So am I going to impose my personal belief on that point? Or am I going to, or am I going to do what the law allows and allow this uh, uh, interest group to proceed? Well, as it turns out, they had so much resent resistance from the community, they never got to first base anyway. But it, you know, some people were mad at me for taking that position. But it wasn't because I was in favor of gambling or bingo or anything like that. It was because I was trying to lead by living up to the principles, the policies, and in this case, the ordinances of law that were germane to that, that were uh, um, associated with that area. That's very interesting. I think, I mean, for the most part, I, I agree with the sentiment of what a leader should be. I actually very much agree to the aspect of a true leader. Now, for me personally, I think the true leader aspect is being corrupted and i think that's really touches upon cancel culture mostly because cancel culture is like if you say a certain thing or you do a certain thing the resentment that you spoke about in terms of your county gets magnified in terms of like our country and wanting certain things a certain way so in terms of like this current uh generation and it's probably due to social media that more young individuals are more politically active than they ever been before um since you know when they go to college they tend to lean liberal because a lot of college institutions tend to lean liberal in general um i'm very curious in terms of your current opinion of how like active this current like woke culture is in terms of affecting these true leaders in politics in general you can correct me if I'm wrong, but something between 28 and 38% of a given school grade are at that school grade level. That majority of the students, and I'm not picking on urbanized areas versus rural uh, areas. I'm saying across the board, many of the, and the educational statistics bear this out. Many of the students are not aware of what they're not aware of. It's hard to call them woke or not when they've had no chance to weigh just whether they're woke or, or not woke. All Very they true. are is what they are because that's what they've been taught. That's what they've been exposed to. They're not bad people. They're, right. The question is how informed are they? How aware are they of other lifestyle circumstances in the world, in the neighborhood, in the school system, in the county commission that I was elected to? Your question I wasn't avoiding. The community today, how many of them are learning algebra and math at the grade school level and able to pass the SAT to the level satisfactory enough to get into college? to continue their exp their profession or their training. Uh, how many of them are, um, how many of them know what the Bill of Rights are? If I said, what are the first 10 amendments to the Bill of Rights, uh, uh, the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, what are they called? How many people do you think would say, oh, those are the Bill of Rights? Those were the added amendments to the Constitution that was originally established. And what were those Bill of Rights? Those Bill of Rights, those first 10 amendments, were fixes in the Constitution of these United States be, uh, that our forefathers brilliantly crafted. But there were weaknesses in that founding document right. that didn't address slavery, that didn't address the woman's right to vote that didn't address um, the right of search and seizure. And then the first amendment to the constitution is the right of free speech. Yep. And at that time when that amendment was written, the social media and the technology you and I have before us today didn't even exist. Yeah. You know, there's a, a great a business partner of mine, but he's also a brilliant man. He's an entrepreneur on the West Coast. His name is Peter Diamandis. 
He's written a book entitled The Future is Faster Than You Think. Do you remember the days of um, of uh, Blockbuster where you'd go into the store yeah. and buy you'd buy the CDs on the shelf and you paid five to eight dollars for and you held it for a few nights and you watched the movie and you brought it back like a library like you'd bring back a library book (laughs) or not and you brought the cd back and 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 all of a sudden within the years ahead they didn't morph or transition to the new world to the new day's order right only only to discover that this company called netflix just torpedoed them and put them out of business and they filed bankruptcy because their leadership was not elastic enough to change with the times. The future was faster than we thought. Right. Peter, Peter Diamandis, the same thing applies in politics. Uh, the way we look at, um, uh, the social classes today, the way we look at business and business enterprise, the, Ability for us not to cancel, as you said, right. any one culture. Because if we do so, we're gonna we, we're gonna deny our willingness to be elastic. We're we're choking our mind from being able to consider other ways of life, other thought patterns. And I think that's what you're driving to. And um uh, I, I hope in the future we are all as a nation, as a society, more forgiving, right. more flexible, more willing to entertain the other side of the picture. Not because I want to fight with you and disagree with you, but because I want to learn from you. I want I, I want to, oh, uh, you know, just a little humble pie for a second. Hmm. What am I missing? that Riddell just mentioned. Maybe he's onto something. Go ahead, Riddell. Tell me a little more. And you explain, well, first I had my little, my, my fists up. I really wanted to, 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 to fight you on this point. Well, shame on me because I denied myself the ability to hear your side of the story that you were trying to get through to me. And now because I heard it or I was willing to listen, I walk away with one of those, hmm, Son of a gun, he's onto something. Just think if we all did more of that. Yeah, I very much all agree. Us, all of us did more than that. I'm not picking on a race. I'm not picking on a creed, a color, a nationality. I don't care. Across the board, this is the mel- this is the United States. By the way, is a melting pot for a reason. We were the most tolerant nation at the time in the world. People were running from everywhere because of the communistic, autocratic, dictatorial, uh, 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 Marxist, socialist enslavement that leadership put them in. Not true leadership, but dictatorial, self-serving leadership. They couldn't leave their they couldn't leave their um, sovereignties fast enough. And find what's this place over in the New World, America? Let's find out more about that. There wasn't a wall on the southern border at the time, by the way, and there wasn't an immigration process that would have made sense to anybody back then. Right. It was just an open field day. Come on in, guys. And we, the core group that left Great Britain and the um, monarchy in Great Britain in, in England creating the original uh, uh, governance of the United States and its genesis, it went through a few steps to what we have today. Everyone kind of fell into one general governance. You bought into a national governance, you bought into a state governance, and you bought into a local governance. And at the time, these kinds of conversations were in a beer hall or the hall of a church somewhere in some emaciated part of the United States with very little or no social services, no uh, infrastructure to speak of. They were just coming together. Uh, Slavics, the the Poles, the uh, people from the far, far East 
And at the time, it wasn't just about the white man and the black man. It was about a lot of the uh, different generation uh, um, cultures of people coming in, trying to find their their uh, their way. The the um, French Canadians coming down towards New Orleans became the 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 Cajuns and right. and, and the in uh, the Kunas they called them. It's a very interesting. You you don't want to tell a, a a Cajun down in New Orleans, and I've experienced this. You don't want to tell a Cajun down in New Orleans that he's a a French Canadian. Oh my God! They'll they, it's sort of like they've morphed into their own little subcultures. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, but America has survived because we've been tolerant of our diversity. Uh, I just wish more. And, and like my politics when I was a commissioner. I went home at night angry about three to 4% of the folks out there that drove me angry as hell. I almost forgot about the 94 to 96% of good people out there. It's most of whom I'm still in touch with and, and give me the moral support I need to keep my thoughts in the right place. It's a beautiful world out there. My problem is, is in some of the stuff you're seeing on the six o'clock news, you don't get the sense that any of those people I've had that rounded experience. Never mind in the classroom. I never said classroom. Rounded experience in the culture of the neighborhood. Right. I better shut up. I'm talking too much. <laughs> no, I think you mentioned a lot of very interesting points. And uh, for the most part, like I've mentioned multiple times on this podcast, the importance of conversation and how very much so it's kind of a lost art. What I found very interesting, based on like your, uh, you know, from what I found out, is you're very much conservative, but the ability to adapt and the ability to learn from other ideas and adapt to this current times is, from my understanding, more of like a progressive idea. But what makes it also interesting is current like liberals and leftists and tend to have these progressive ideas but don't want to have the conversation and do not want to be challenged. So they want to be progressive, but they don't want to challenge any of the ideals and move forward based on any type of solution compared to conservatives. So I'm going to ask from your kind of point of view, we see liberals acting their, their current way in this current uh, society. Not, not all of them, but in terms of the general perception a lot of people would say that you can't really talk to a liberal leftist because they'll try to you know criminalize you in terms of the conservative perspective i'm very much interested how do you think they're handling this current uh like generation and do you think that they're also trying to adapt or do you think they're also trying kind of holding back and uh not wanting to progress with this current age of uh, our current generation that's a pretty th well thought out question. And before you think I take any shots at liberals and progressives, let me say this. As a Republican conservative, I'm pretty pissed off at some of the wimpiness of many of the Republicans that have not stepped up to defend their rights. There's an old saying my father taught me, and I'm, not, I'm getting your point. The saying is failure to defend the rights of other people, you're right may someday result in my rights not being defended. I have an obligation, whether I'm a leader or I'm Joe Q, Jane Q, average citizen, I have an obligation to defend the rights of the downtrodden. Whoa, what are you, a socialist? No, it's a moral ethical issue. I've got to help protect those that cannot protect themselves. That's socialistic. You don't want to do that. That's what... Welfare is. That's what food stamps is. That's what, um, uh, you know, um, uh, Social Security is and the other things government hands out. There is a role for government to take care of those who cannot take care of themselves. That is a founding principle in our Constitution. In fact, uh, it's why the amendments to the Constitution were, were added to added to the Constitution to make sure that some of those underlying principles are protected. The right to bear arms, not the right to go into a library and shoot people, yeah. but the right to bear arms is a fundamental right. The right to free speech, it's a fundamental right. We're doing it right now. 
But my free speech cannot be what's called in law school actionable words. I can't come right up to your nose a half inch away and start spitting on you while I'm screaming at you and think I and I don't think you're going to hold you're going to sit there and take it and maybe hold off and crack me one. I mean, where do you draw is any law so absolute that we lose the sight of reason and logic behind mm, it? Yep. Okay, so this is what the beauty is of our Constitution, that no other governance, this is not taught in school, but no other governance in the world has a governance like our democratic republic that has the, whether you and I succeed or fail as leaders in this nation, the structure of the government written by our founding fathers made it painfully elastic for it to self-heal itself. What the communists, what Vladimir Putin, what some of the other grand Marxist social states of the world, like Venezuela, are right. counting on the fact that we're going to self-destruct from within, and they just walk in and take us. It ain't going to happen. That pendulum is going to swing back the other way. I mentioned earlier the strong administration, the weak commissioner, and then it swings back the other way. The strong commissioners or leaders and the, and the weak administration means that the government has a pendulum, a mechanism of self-correcting itself. When we swing too far one way, we swing back the other way. Putting Trump aside for a minute. Okay. Do you think it's okay to see that they're going to indict him three times, two or three times for impeach him two or three times, and that they're going to interview and interrogate their children for weeks behind closed doors for alleged relationships with foreign governing entities and a laptop from hell? that's clearly got everything on it that the FBI finally admits to having. Right. The prosecutor who is not working in the attorney general, excuse me, who has prosecutors under him, the attorney general of these United States doesn't have the balls to independently behave and is kowtowing to the administration not to go, not to let the attorney general go after Hunter Biden for criminal wrongdoing and millions of dollars that have been, that others have testified to in having taken money from China and Russia. And we're counting on this president. I don't care what party he's with. Right. We're counting on this president to work in the best interests of this nation. I don't approve of certain things Donald Trump has said or done. I'll be the first to say it, but he was a true leader. He stood up and did what was he had to do when it was unpopular to do it, and that's the sign of a leader. The one we got now is hidden in a basement somewhere, and I'm wondering if he has his cognition. Oh, by the way, there's another amendment to the Constitution. It's called the 25th Amendment, which has to do with the right of the governing body of our of our of our government whether it be the congress or the senate or its cap the president's cabinet to come in and question the um vitality of our right. president has yeah. been swept under the rug and isn't even being considered but if i recall if i recall Riddell, they thought trump was um mentally incompetent and wanted him brought up for uh, impeachment based on his mental capacity. Yeah, he's been attempted to, to be impeached a lot. Pardon me? I said he's been attempted to impeach a lot. I just want to put the personality aside. We are a nation of principles, not personalities. Right. And if you follow the principles of the governance of this nation, which is surprised, which has survived amazingly longer than any other government in this nation, in this world. Yeah. For, for some reason. We have survived. And if we've done so, 
we've got to ask ourselves, how did that happen? That certain people in government could be so stupid on both sides of the fence. And we still have a government today. I have in the, my building when I was, before I sold my company, I was on the fifth floor. The owner of the building and his law firm, a very liberal, a very Democrat liberal law firm, was on the fifth floor. We got along great. We were the best of friends. He, he goes into the elevator one day, and I just happened to be coming into the elevator at the same time. He's going like this. Jeez. He's rubbing his head, and he, he's, he's physically uh, stressing out. I said, what's the matter, Fred? I just can't understand it. I don't understand how our nation has survived for so long. Yeah. It's that pendulum. Whether you and I like it or not, it swings back and we self-correct. Not as fast as we'd like sometimes, right? (laughs) We see certain things that are wrong and say, why don't we get in there and kick some ass and turn it around overnight? Well, I guess we would like that. But uh, we, we as a nation are responsible. And before we go like this, before I point the finger at you and blame you, you Democrat, liberal, radical, leftist, you know, and I'm a conservative Republican who can't see straight. All right. Okay. So, so before we play that game, maybe before I point the finger at you, I take a more careful look because there's at least three, maybe four fingers pointing back at me. Maybe I ought to clean up my own damn closet first before I accuse you of anything. How about that for apples? Think of every person rioting in the streets, smashing the windows, pointing the finger, seeking blame, looking for a free handout or payoff uh, uh, or or, or another uh, check from somewhere. Why don't I take a hard look at what I could do to contribute to my, my own family my own life, and my own community. Before I point the finger at you and blame you for anything, why don't I start there and do that first? Mm. Remember, we started the conversation. No one gave me nothing. Everything I have and all my riches I earned, and I'm very proud of it. And I, and I challenge anybody to, to criticize uh, any wealth that I have in my possession as a uh, as uh, as being uh, something that was handed to me i'm very concerned on the economic and uh, um and green level as well we talk about um the new world order and uh, the the green generation is so to speak i have a tesla i have a solar system up here on the roof of my house that actually powers the house the lights right. you see on here are powered from solar and it's dark now it's after five o'clock so my house is being powered by battery from the solar that it was charging and storing up during the day and by the way my tesla is being charged up from solar too so but i also have a truck i also have a a normal gas combustion truck when i point the finger at you and say i want you to get completely off gas powered vehicles by april 2023 I want you to get a Tesla or an electric vehicle. What's your first, what, what are you thinking when I say that? I don't know what you, I don't know what you're willing to say to me, but what are you thinking when I say that to you? You're thinking who the hell does he think he is to jam a mandate down my throat? I am in a democratic Republic, a nation of freedom where Liberty is supposed to prevail and my right to choose is supposed to be absolute. Who the hell are you to tell me to go go, go out and get an electric car? Mm. When we as government step too far in one direction and push the mandate down your throat, you're denying freedom. You're denying liberty and the right of self-expression. You're setting us up for failure, and we are. Our oil reserves that are an all-time low because Biden had to use it to keep gas prices down. Those oil reserves are supposed to be used to defend this nation from an uh, on, uh, outside attack. Military, it's not to be used to manipulate the arbitrage on the gallon uh, price per barrel of oil. 
And that's what's going on right now. Too much authority, an overreach on leadership that's now impacting you and me, the price of milk, the price of the steak that you would normally go out and buy isn't happening the way it used to because certain leaders have overstepped and told you the way it had to be. They've even, uh, 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 they've even extended themselves and their leadership into the classroom and tried to, if my son or daughter or grand, grandson or granddaughter came home and I found out they were being told to reconsider behind my back, whether they're a boy or a girl, uh, I'd probably be asking you to bail me out of jail. Mm. That's very interesting. Um, when it comes to, to that personal topic, I'm also one of those individuals where I believe that for the most part, a parent should be allowed to raise their kid how they want to raise them to interfere in terms of the government to try to interfere with how a household runs how they run barring any like abuse barring any abuse obviously those are type of extremes then the family should be allowed to kind of run their families now with that said very interesting on this perspective and we'll, we'll kind of lead this into the the closing statements but a conservative and someone who's religious should be allowed to raise them how they want to raise. They want to raise a conservative. They want to raise uh, someone who's religious, for example. Now, the flip side for someone that is liberal and who is very, very much into the LGBTQ community, would you say or would you agree that they should have the right to raise their kid LGBTQ as parents? Yeah, I think the parents' rights, and this is no reflection on LBGQ, XYZ. I mean, uh, anything. is. I'm, I'm making the point that it's the parents' absolute right and right. entitlement to raise that child the way they should be raised. They, the opposite spin on that statement is the school should not. Exactly. If yes. they think that the class math grades up and the education and the reading scores up, and the science scores up, what the hell are they talking about transgender for? Mm. Stay in your lane and teach the fundamentals and get the grades back up. Yes. You're not in the business of tra of affecting the, so the sexual and so social mores. Now, here is the place for government. I remember that pendulum we talked about. Right. Uh, children and family services in every community comes in and takes care of the child when the parent's been abusive. Right. And the parents overstepped. There's a there's a mechanism in place, and this is where government has a role to come in and protect that child from the abuse of the parent or whatever. Right. To to help them to help them um, to make a, a judicial decision as to whether that child is able to be uh, gentrified back into that family, or whether that child needs to be. Um, cared for and kept out of that family, usually with the court's involvement to ascertain the facts of the situation. Is the, but a school teacher and the administration of that school is not. Yeah. And that's where I draw the line. It's, it's a, and I'll tell you what, here's the other pendulum point. He gets swinging back. You'll notice in Congress, they're now considering credits for families it's either done at the state level, but I do think there may be some federal action if we have good leadership in, in the congressional level to put a national law in place that extends, extends to all 50 states that says you and I get a tax credit <clears throat> if we choose to take our son or daughter and put them into a private school system. Half my property taxes in the town are, being, are going to education. Right. I tell you what, I want you to give me a credit on my tax bill that I just paid for. It's a few thousand bucks a year. I want that I want that money back because I'm going to take that money and I'm putting my child in a private school. Mm. My choice. My choice. You think maybe the public school system would um, 
behave in a more competitive fashion to earn the right to keep students in the school? Yeah, yeah. See where uh, I'm going? Yeah, I very much agree. I've I've criticized public education a lot throughout my time. I think it's a very inefficient system um, for the most part. But um, I think the reason why I asked that question is to kind of elaborate on the aspect that in terms of like the two sides, liberal, uh, conservative, Republican, Democrat, left, right, one of these things that is very apparent is the lack of consistency that yeah. at, at um, a big aspect that I find from both sides is that they're so bent on adhering to their ideologies and hating the other side that they are not focused on some of the things you mentioned. They're not focused on actual solutions for helping people. They're not focused on uh, bettering the country as a whole. They're just attacking one another to the point where they're inconsistent with a lot of the things that they say and a lot of the takes they have. And it becomes more of like, um, like a frat, you know, it becomes more of like, okay, I'm liberal. So screw you conservatives. I, I don't know what it means to be liberal, but I know that I hate you. So that's why I bring it up because at the end of the day, again, to kind of reiterate the purpose of the podcast is that these conversations need to be had and actual production in terms of the solutions that I'm trying to focus on need to be spoken about. For example, the public education system being completely inefficient. For example, the immigration system, can it be improved or is there big flaws that need to be addressed? People can pitch one side just to pitch one side. From my perspective i feel like people are pitching sides just to pitch sides rather than focus on do these things actually have any substance to it so um that is kind of my perspective on what's going on currently um any any comments about that Rodell, do you have any children i do not okay well really doesn't matter but i only bring it up for reference because i work out in the gym with my buddies and there are a bunch of plumbers and you know, local, what I'd call the local talent of the community. And um, one of the plumbers has a son and they get this, this from the teacher, which I made a copy of. This is a 14 year old in a public school system. Just last week, the teacher handed out this piece of paper and said, answer any two of the four questions and give me your opinion on it. This is a public school teacher. Right. Last week is Scambia County, Florida. Question one, should trans people be allowed to compete in sports with the gender in which they identify? Mm. Let me let me just give you the other three. Okay. Question number two, is it ever fair for minorities to receive special treatment or consideration? Question three, when it comes to government monitoring, which is more important, individual privacy or national security? Mm. And question four, should the Escambia County School Board, that's Pensacola, Florida, right. should the Escambia County School Board be able to pull books off the shelves of high school classrooms and libraries? Now, they're asking those questions of a 14-year-old boy and girl in a classroom that the parents are going to have difficulty, difficulty answering. Yeah. Why would a teacher ask that question of a student when the math scores, the reading scores, and the science scores are nationally below a world standard and China's eating our lunch and about to take us over. They're making us stupid and sending us in a circular spin of confusion, fighting amongst each other, fighting amongst ourselves over stupid fundamental principles that you and I both agree should have been handled in the home in the first place. 
If I have a child that's having a sexual or a sex identity issue, I'm sorry for the record. That's between me and that child, my child, and that stays at home. If uh, if any minority is being mistreated or ill-treated, we've got a, an amendment to the Constitution that's are addressing that. Not to mention the um, Lyndon Johnson's minority rights law that was passed in the '60s. A lot of changes, still room for improvement. I don't deny we're constantly morphing with more improvement needed. Right. Does racism sure it still exists? Sure it does. But I'm mm-hmm. not going to say I'm not going to say it's off the charts. I'm not going to say we're going we've, we've we've lost our society. We're losing our society when arrogant elitists in a classroom think they know what's better for our children than the parents do. Yeah. That's what's bothering me. And that's why I support a tax credit and a stipend of some sort for the parent of that child to fund a Montessori school or another kind of private school in your community. That's char- It's a chartered school system approach to a non-government school. Right. And that's right. That's, a, that's an alternative. We should have that alternative. It exists in certain areas of the nation more than others, and I think it's going to be more pervasive in the years ahead. But to ask a student if monitoring is important uh, monitoring individuals important for individual privacy or national security. They're both important. Important. We got a national security issue. We also have a privacy issue for an individual. You only do it based on evidence. If you've got cause, the FISA report gave um, uh, 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 authorization to the process to the chief. Um, Attorney General and the uh, prosecutorial and the FBI to go after Trump because the court had ordered that there was a basis for them to do so. It turned right. out it was it was turned out it was fraudulent, and there was no basis. In fact, in fact, the FISA court judge was was lied to on the evidence coming before him. Putting that aside, and I hope this criminal activity uh, action taken against the, those wrongdoers, starting with James Comey and Adam Schiff. But putting that aside for a minute, the, fi- the, the court was in place to help protect us after 9-11 from more 9-11 type attacks. attacks. So there would be, an, uh, it's that elasticity again. There would be an allowance for government to impose itself on your privacy to discover whether that uh, a, 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 an act of treason or something was underway that was harmful to our na- our nation. The beauty of our democracy is that it's tenuous. It's it not it, it's got tension is what I'm trying to say. It, it it's a stressful document that morphs over time as we change. It changes to address the wrong of the time of the right. era. The hey did those founding fathers know what social media was? <laughs> Obviously not. No. They, they didn't know what a computer. I mean, they didn't know anything about an electric car. What they laugh at you, and 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 to be able to take your iWatch here and talk on it. No, I'm not talking to you. Um, it, it, it is is something they couldn't even fathom at the time. Right. So the ability of our democracy is that we will succeed if we're tolerant and are. Um, uh, if we're tolerant and we're willing to accept the things we uh, we cannot change and the courage to change the things we can and the only thing we can change is ourselves so back to your opening comment what i can change is myself i can stop being abusive i can be tolerant i can be respectful i can listen more carefully to your side of the story so that I might learn something. Um, these are principles that have to supersede personality. Right. And and that's that's a bitter pill to swallow. Not everybody can do that. Okay. So yeah, for the most part, you know, I think we very much agree in the in the importance of the trying to come together. Even um, if you disagree with the other side, liberal, conservative, 
And like I said, the consistency is important in terms of even your takes, because in that situation where it seems it's pretty obvious that there's a correct answer that liberals would want from those four questions, and then you ask them, do you want religion in school? And they probably would say, heck no. So that's another part of like, A, we got to be consistent. Are you just being hateful on the other ideals just because it's the other ideals? For example, um, I guess the last thing I want to ask in terms of, uh, you know, we talked much about liberals and uh, how, you know, they, they're very much involved with this current cancer or woke culture, intolerance, for example. Would Do you believe that conservatives, not in terms of overall influence, I think as of right now, liberals are probably the most influence, influential considering they are very much involved in like colleges and young individuals because of social media, for example. But in general, in terms of like how they're acting, do you believe conservatives are acting appropriately in terms of them being tolerant, them being uh, a bit able to have these conversations? So, what, yeah, my, your general thoughts regarding that. Well, like I said earlier, the. Um... They're not all can i mean you can't paint you can't paint everybody with the same brush all right it's um it, i know some conservatives that are, are wolves in sheep's clothing rhinos uh, i know some conservatives that um are not leaders and does they they just don't they they say they're strongly supporting the constitution and the rights and the people they represent, but they don't. I see a lot of um, con- Republicans and conservatives that have foreign investments in the very things that they're they're uh, uh, barking about before the public, and then behind closed doors, they're investing in something like big pharma. Right. Uh, take a look at Mitch McConnell. He was spe- uh, Senate president uh, when he had the majority. Now he's the Senate minority leader, and uh, he's married to a woman who's part of a Chinese shipping magnate. I mean, uh, uh, and with with great strong ties to China. Uh, and guess what? The same thing applies on the Democratic side as well. It's not a Republican versus uh, a Republican thing. They're, both sides are guilty. Ah. Uh, I know you wanted to ask me about it. We never got to it. I would send my friends to the genevalentino.com, but I've written a accountability amendment, right. which is what I referred to as the 28th amendment, but actually it's morphed into 11 more amendments. So I call it the second bill of rights. We talked earlier about the first 10 amendments being the first bill of rights or the bill of rights. This right. is the second bill of rights. I'd be happy to send it to you or, uh, or go to genevalentino.com. The, se- the, the second Bill of Rights talks about accountability. Right. We are a nation that now must become more accountable. At the local level, you cannot have conflicts of interest. You'd be thrown off your, your, your local elected um, uh, station uh, of service. But at the federal level in the United States Congress, You've got congressmen and women investing either directly or through their family in investments uh, a week or two before they vote on it on the House and Senate floor of Congress. Yeah, yeah. And what does that do to the price of the stock? They know which way the stock's going, up or down. What a deal to have an inside track like that. Yeah, that'll play much into the... uh... That'll be a very interesting. I don't know if that'll ever pass because the amount of like um, uh, under the table deals between big businesses and uh, politicians are very very numerous. So that that'll be a tough something tough it, to get past. Take a look at them. Some of yeah, I've even den- uh, indicated in my t- second bill of rights a penalty for congressmen and women who. Uh, uh, who are seen as having a conflict of interest in items and denying them from serving uh, 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 in certain positions after five or 10 years after they're out of office. I've also got in there a whole set of rules on immigration. What is an American citizen? How do you become an American citizen? 
Never mind the the border. We of course we have to defend our border because the All Constitution right. says so. But what's a citizen? I mean, my grandfather and grandmother are Italian. They came into the United States on a boat jammed shoulder to shoulder with hundreds of people on that old vessel. And they were so glad to get into Ellis Island and become an American citizen. Why the, his, my grandfather had such a bad uh, accent that they couldn't understand. What's your name? He says, Jean Valentino. What? Jean Valentino. Oh, Jim. Okay, I'll put James. Later, as my father grew up, he realized that my father's his father's name was really Jean Valentino, after whom I was named, and not James. And it's a longer story about how we as a nation have morphed all these different cultures together and right. assimilated into one culture, or tried to. If we don't stand together, we fall apart. That's it. Yeah, I very much agree. And I do think the the conversation of the American citizen is an interesting one that I plan to have down the line. Because one thing you could definitely say in terms of Americans compared to like other countries is the national identity is definitely compromised. And a lot of people in America hate America. So that that is a, a conversation for another day. But for the most part, um, I think that is all she wrote. I, I think we uh, touch upon a, a lot of very interesting topics, uh, especially in reference to the uh, dichotomy of liberals and uh, conservatives in this current generation and the essence of adaptability and um, tolerance, so to speak. Uh, any final words? I was cautious not to address liberals or conservatives in particular. What I was trying to discuss with you today was a book I'm going to write someday called The Art of Bad Behavior. All right. We fail because we behave poorly. Liberals can be liberal. There's some great liberal thinking. There's some yeah. great innovative thoughts that came out of liberalism. There's great thinking that came out of conservatism. There's great thinking that came out of uh, somewhere in between isms. <laughs> this, it's, it's, it's why they call it a melting pot. We are a nation of immigrants. We are not a nation of Republicans. We're not a nation of Democrats, uh, blacks or whites or Indians or, or uh, uh, Muslims. We're a nation of all of it. And so even when you mentioned education before, let's have a class on religion not on Catholicism or Judaism. Let's have a class on having the student understand the different religions in the world. You know, that's a healthy education. I'd like to learn about the difference uh, between um, uh, Hinduism and Buddhism. Yeah. I know it because I studied it because my teacher told me it at, when I was in seventh and eighth grade. But they would probably not allow it in class these days. Yeah. But what is true. the difference between Hinduism and Buddhism? What's the difference? Um, what uh, What's an algorithm that looks at how you behave on social media? What is the Erlang formula that decides how they're going to place towers out there for a cellular phone company? How come there's a cell tower over there? How come there's one over there? Why isn't there one over here? What's the logic behind that? They're not teaching any of the sciences that are the, are the foundation to mold your mind to help you decide what you want to be. These disciplines we learn in school were intended to not drive us into a certain way of life. They were a muscle that needed to be um, um, uh, worked on and grown so yeah. that when we graduated, we could become what we wanted to be, not what we have to be. Mm, yep. That's, that's, what, that's what I'm trying to talk about with you. And do our leaders give us the incentives and the motivations? Are we paying for businesses to be more creative? Or are we paying for the employees of those businesses to stay at home and be couch potatoes? Also true. Very much so. 
I, th- I I agree. Ultimately, when it comes down to it, um, this the the label of liberals and conservatives is such a very hot thing in uh, in our current society. And I think when you really think about it, and I'm gonna reinforce it a third time because this is very important, is that when in doubt, you should be able to have a conversation with anybody and anyone. And at the end of the day, as a country, as a nation, we should be always looking to not only improve, but find solutions for the people in and itself. There's a lot of issues in the world. There's a lot of issues in America we can point at that are objectively bad that we can improve on. Um, One example is I got you. The, The violence that happened in certain cities like Chicago, the mass shootings that are increasing. So there are situations that can be addressed. It shouldn't be one side or the other. They should be discussed. All of them have value. We don't need to get rid of any. And uh, that's just something important to consider when you meet someone on the other side and your first instinct is, oh, I hate him. No, you should probably just have a conversation. Most people are not bad people also. Most people are not bad people. That's true. So, hey, uh, by the way, I had uh, a good time doing that. I had a good time doing with this you're, you're good at what you do you know appreciate it appreciate it i try to be i try to do be the very educated and know what i'm doing but uh that is all we got for today's episode of the podcast hope you guys enjoyed of course you could check it out on apple podcast spotify rated five stars uh check out the cha- youtube channel purple political podcast we're gonna have only like one segment for you guys to enjoy in terms of the main discussion points we had today and uh, of course check out uh gene valentino's stuff his website his content um all that information will not only be on my website www.trendwithrtl8.com but also in the description of all the content as well so with that said hope you guys enjoyed the episode appreciate having you on gene of course you all have the good one take care and peace thank you